Good morning, church family and those who may be watching. Uh, Happy Easter. He is risen. Uh, What an encouragement it is to know that we don't worship and serve uh, a dead man, but a risen Savior King who is reigning even today, even in the midst of this crisis. Uh, Jesus came to live the life that we could never live because of our sin. Uh, He came to die the sinner's death in our place that we deserve to die as just judgment from God, but He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, and God's Word tells us in Romans that He was raised for our justification, that we may be made right with Him. And so if you're watching this, and you haven't believed that gospel message, let me just encourage you, let me plead with you to believe the gospel, believe the good news of Easter, of our crucified, buried, and risen King, and you will find hope for your life. Now, this morning we're continuing, we're in week two of our series through Philippians. Last week, Pastor Clint kicked us off and looked at chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, where we saw the Apostle Paul encouraging the church at Philippi to grow in the gospel, pointing out the evidence of God's grace at work in their life, in their partnership in the gospel. And uh, this morning, we're moving along to those next verses. We're looking at verses 12 through 18, and Paul is continuing to encourage the church, but he's zeroing in on the mission of God. He's encouraging them to uh, be aware that God's work is continuing, even when it doesn't look good for the Apostle Paul. He's suffering, and he's in prison But the gospel is going forth in unique ways, and that's reason to rejoice for the the church at Philippi, and it's it's reason for us to rejoice as well. As we look around us in this time in our crisis, it may seem like the mission of God is being hindered. I I long to be with you doing this right now. Churches aren't gathering on, on Sunday, so it may seem like the mission of God is being hindered. But God is at work. The gospel is advancing, and you and I, here's the joy, you and I get to be a part of this mission. And that's what this text walks us through this morning. And so as we're walking through this passage, we're going to see three ways to take joy in gospel advancement. First, in verses 12 through 13, we'll, we'll be exhorted to seek opportunities for mission. Then in verse 14, we'll be encouraged to cultivate confident boldness in this mission. And then lastly, in verses 15 through 18, we're encouraged to rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. So if you have your Bibles, and you can turn to Philippians chapter 1, and let's read our passage of Scripture for our time together. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. 
And so first we see uh, in this passage, number one, seek opportunities for mission. Look at verse 12 again. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, or you can translate that brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So Paul is encouraging the church here. Uh, they're, They're sorrowful over Paul's imprisonment, which is understandable. Paul was a stalwart missionary. Uh, he, he accomplished so much for the mission of God, for God's kingdom, and now he's imprisoned. And so it could be easy to think, well, man, is the mission of God being stifled because our beloved brother Paul is in prison? But before we answer that question, I want, I want to look at this phrase that, that, that Paul says, what has happened to me? Because in the context of Philippians, he's talking about imprisonment. But if we look at Paul's life, by this time, he would have experienced far more suffering uh, than just going to prison. In fact, he gives us a, a list of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23-27. through 27, And this helps us understand uh, the impact of Paul's statement here. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, Far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less than one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. It sounds like a, like a first century uh, country song, right? The sorrows and loss and suffering this guy experienced, but he's not complaining here. And isn't it interesting, as we go back to Philippians, to note that Paul is the one, the one who suffered this much, Paul is the one doing the encouraging But he had something that each one of us need in the midst of our suffering. The church at Philippi needed it, and we need it. And here's how he could do this. He had an eternal perspective of what God can do in every situation. So he doesn't shake his fists at the heavens wondering, God, why me? Why am I in prison? Why have I had to go through all of this? No, he saw his sufferings as a providential opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. So he's saying, I I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, all of these sufferings have not slowed the progress of God's mission. In fact, it's going forward in ways it never could have without my suffering. So then he tells us in verse 13, he tells us exactly how his his imprisonment has served for the progress of the gospel. Look at verse 13. He says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul shares the gospel with those who are guarding him, the imperial guards, those who are the guards in the household of Caesar, because in his mind, his imprisonment is for Christ, which means not only was he imprisoned for preaching the gospel, but in his mind, he was imprisoned because Christ wanted him there to bring the gospel to those around him. In fact, the New American Standard Bible translates that phrase, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ. So Paul's imprisoned in Rome. 
Yes, because his enemies wanted to stop the spread of the gospel. But Paul sees the other side of it. He says, I'm, I'm here sharing the gospel with the guards of Caesar in his household. How else would I get this opportunity if it weren't for my imprisonment? What a wonderful providence from God for the advancement of his mission. And here's what's so encouraging to see. If we look ahead a little bit, if we come to the very end of the book of Philippians, we see that God saves some of these people. God brings salvation. The, the very end of the book, Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul's giving some final greetings. And listen to what he says. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. You see the result? Of Paul being in prison, he brings the gospel to the guards and all the rest, those in Caesar's household. And by the end of Philippians, he's, he's able to say, hey, listen, there are now saints here who bring you greeting. The most powerful family in the world is being transformed by the most powerful message in the world, the gospel, right? And brothers and sisters, what if you and I saw this present crisis as a providential opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. I keep using that word providence, providential. What does that mean? Listen to this definition by J.I. Packer. He says, the doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are never in the grip of blind forces, like fortune, chance, luck, fate. All that happens to them is divinely planned, and each event comes as a new summons to trust, obey, and rejoice, knowing that all is for one's spiritual and eternal good. That's what God's providence is. Now, so if we recognize God's providence, listen, our mission will not be just to get through this. Right? Our mission, if we recognize God's providence, will then be to glorify God in the midst of this, in the midst of our crisis. And what's, what's one of the most primary ways we bring glory to God as His people on this earth? It's to bring the good news to those who have no hope, to those who have yet to believe. Now think about this for a moment. Think about the opportunities for gospel advancement that have come through uh, this coronavirus crisis. People in our comfortable culture who don't know Jesus are now being forced to consider their mortality. Now, the death rate's still the same, but because this virus is staring us in the face, right, people are forced to consider, and, and that leads them to ask questions about life and death. Right? People who, who do know Jesus are, are being reminded of what matters most. Right? Uh, eternal life with Christ, living for Jesus, obedience to Him. Or what, what about those who, as we think of opportunities, what about those who are in financial and physical need? Maybe God has blessed you with resources and you're able to serve those who are in need in a tangible way. You're able to display the gospel in such a way that opens the door so then you can declare the gospel with your words. Think about how the internet is being used as a tool more than ever before to get the gospel out. Friends, this is, this is good news. I have a friend just this week who asked for prayer because he, he set up a Zoom call with four friends who weren't Christians. And he said, can we have a Zoom meeting where I tell you why Easter is so important to me? And so he had a meeting, 45 minutes. He shared his testimony. He read the Easter story from the Gospel of John and shared the Gospel and said, hey, can I, who would like me to follow up with you individually? And three of those four friends 
now want to hear more about the gospel. And this, friends, this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for this, this crisis, if it weren't for this quarantine. God is using this situation providentially to open doors and opportunities for the gospel. Every Lord's Day, um, we remember the resurrection of Christ. That's why normally we gather on Sundays. But on Easter Sunday, there's this more heightened cultural awareness of this, right? What better way, listen, what better way to celebrate the resurrection of Christ today than by sharing the gospel with someone in your life who is not a Christian? By, by seeing this as a providential opportunity to get the gospel out. So yeah, this is actually what empowered Paul, the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't fear imperial guards or Roman emperors because Caesar wasn't Paul's king. Jesus, the crucified, buried, and risen, and ascended, and currently reigning on the throne Lord, that was Paul's king. And Christian, he's, he's your king. He's my king. And he's reigning today. And guess what? Caesar's gone. Rome is gone. Right? No, no king or emperor or, or virus will dethrone King Jesus. And for Paul, it empowered him to see even the most difficult situations as opportunities for gospel advancement. So how will you, ask yourself, how will you get this message out? How will you take advantage of those opportunities for gospel mission? In order to do that, uh, you're going to need some help. I'm going to need some help. And that leads us to number two. Number two is cultivate confident boldness. Number one, seek opportunities for mission. Number two, cultivate confident boldness. Look at verse 14. He says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul says his imprisonment not only benefits the unbelievers who are now hearing the gospel because of this providence, but also it benefits the believers who watch Paul experience this suffering because now they've become more bold to share the gospel. Now that seems to us counterintuitive, doesn't it? Right? If Paul's experiencing persecution because he's declaring Christ, then him suffering for that, him being in prison, wouldn't that wouldn't that keep everybody else quiet? Wouldn't it give them the fear of being arrested? But friends, it never works that way. You look throughout the scriptures, you look throughout church history. In fact, the opposite is true. We do have to make an observation here that the specific context is persecution. It's not, uh, it's not a pandemic, but the principle still applies. The, the suffering church becomes the flourishing church. Right? The, the stricken Christian becomes the strengthened missionary. Why? Because sufferings in God's providence have a way of stripping away the distractions of our lives and refocusing us on what matters most and connecting us again to Jesus. Right? What matters most is the glory of our King, who was what? A suffering and crucified and now risen King. And so how did this work for, for those who are watching Paul suffering, these brothers who were emboldened to preach the gospel. Well, I imagine the thought process went something like this. Okay, so Paul is, has been imprisoned for proclaiming Christ. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be proclaiming Christ? Maybe, maybe we've been too stagnant in our evangelism. This brother is willing to, to give up his freedom for the gospel. Maybe we've been too comfortable in our own endeavors and we've neglected the mission. So for the sake of the Lord 
And in honor of our brother Paul, let's, let's get back at the mission for God's glory. That's how they were emboldened and given confidence in the Lord. Now, <clears throat> take that mindset and apply that same process, that thought process to our situa- situation. Right? Our, our lives have been uprooted by the coronavirus. Maybe we've been too stagnant in our evangelism. Maybe we're realizing that we've been too distracted. Shouldn't we be boldly proclaiming Christ? We've been too comfortable in our own endeavors and we've neglected the mission. Now God in His providence has uprooted our endeavors endeavors to bring us back to Him. So let's get to work. Let's boldly and confidently declare the gospel for the glory of Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you struggle with boldness. And if that's you, let me just encourage you with three prayers to pray. One of the greatest ways to embolden, uh, to be emboldened for the sake of the gospel is to cultivate a deep life of prayer. And here are three specific prayers that you can pray to grow in boldness. The first is this, Lord, help me to love you and obey your commandments. And those who love God are emboldened to joyfully obey his commandments, including the command to make disciples. John 14, 15 says, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This love for God emboldens us to obey Him and share Christ. Listen to what John Cheeseman writes on this. He says, Only a love for God will keep us following in His way, declaring His gospel when human resources fail. Only our love for God, and more important, His love for us, will keep us from the dangers which beset us. When the desire for popularity with men, for success in human terms, tempts us to water down the gospel, to make it palatable, then only if we love God will we stand fast by His truth and His ways. So Lord, help us to love You and obey Your commandments. And second, pray this prayer. Lord, help me to love the non-Christians in my life more than I love my own comfort and self-interest. Friends, hell is real and death is is inevitable. And if we know Christ's sinless life and atoning death and victorious resurrection is the remedy, then why would we not boldly share it with those we love? If we truly love others, family members, friends, neighbors, we will not withhold from them the greatest news of the universe that they can They can be reconciled to God. They can be saved from eternal punishment and experience joy to the fullest for all eternity. So Lord, help us to love the unbelievers in our life more than our own comfort and self-interest. And lastly, Lord, help me to be creative in sharing the gospel. I doubt Paul. Paul knew he would suffer. God told him that early on. But I doubt Paul um, imagined being chained up in a Roman prison as a part of his mission strategy. But what did he do? He saw things from an eternal perspective and he adapted and the mission continued. See, there's nothing, there is nothing like a face-to-face conversation over a shared meal telling somebody about Jesus. But you can't do that right now. So how are you going to creatively adapt in this season so that the mission continues? What resources are you going to use? What phone calls are you going to make? What Zoom calls are you going to set up? What, uh, What are you going to do as a church Lord, help me to be creative in sharing the gospel. So we seek opportunities for mission. We cultivate confident boldness. And then third, we rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. Look at verse 15. 
Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Okay, so there are, there, are, there are some people who are preaching the true gospel. They're not false teachers. It's the true gospel. But they're jealous of Paul. Their motives are impure. They, they see this opportunity because Paul, this well-known um, evangelist and missionary, he's been taken out of the game. And so maybe they think, now is our chance to grow in popularity uh, as, as preachers. Now is our opportunity to build our platform. Then, then there are others. They love Paul. And they, they love Jesus and they're sharing the gospel and they want to see others come to, to saving faith in Christ and they want to see God glorified. And just as an aside here, this, is, this invites us to always check our motives, right, when we're ministering to others. Are, are we doing this for selfish gain? Uh, do we want others to think highly of us? Do we want people to think we're intelligent uh, or extra holy? Or do we want what Paul wants, which is we want people to encounter Jesus and think highly of him. That's his main concern. We see that in verse 18. He says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Or as one paraphrase of this verse by Eugene Peterson reads, he says, So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just cheer them on. See, Paul is so laser focused on the mission of God to get the gospel out. He actually, he doesn't really care that there are people out there trying to hurt him. He sees beyond all of that. He says, at least they're preaching Christ. His own self-interests are eclipsed by the fame of Jesus. And so he's able to rejoice. Now, are you rejoicing that Christ is being proclaimed? Or is the fame of Jesus being eclipsed by your own self-interest? Are you rejoicing that there are more people considering these weighty questions of life? There are, there are more people um, responding and hearing the gospel as churches take to the internet to spread the gospel in unique ways. Are you rejoicing in this? See, Paul could do this because he saw the situation from God's perspective. Yes, he's in prison. But King Jesus is being proclaimed, and the mission continues in unimaginable ways. Praise God. So how, how can we, like Paul, rejoice in our crisis, in this coronavirus pandemic? Well, we, we need Paul's vision to see things from God's perspective. Maybe you remember, they were real popular when I was a kid, those magic eye posters. Right? At first, you'd look at it, and it looks like just a jumbled mess of color on a page and design. But if you stare at it long enough... And if you focus your eyes in, in just the right way, this hidden image sort of emerges from the background. Right? See, that's what Paul's doing here, and that's what we need to do in the midst of this time. If we, if we look at the mess of this crisis long enough with gospel vision, knowing that our sovereign God is at work, we will see behind the mess and we'll see this image emerge. Christ is being proclaimed. Sinners are being saved. The church is advancing and we get to be a part of it. And please don't mishear me. While, while we mourn the death and devastation, we don't rejoice in those things. We mourn those things and we long for deliverance. But mixed in with that mourning and lament is this rejoicing that the gospel is going forth. 
And on this Easter Sunday, it's important to know that this mission that we're talking about is the result of the power of Jesus' resurrection. In fact, if you looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's this 58-verse mini-theology of the resurrection from the Apostle Paul. And he, he ends that section with this verse. Look at verse 58. He says, Therefore, meaning in light of our crucified and risen and now reigning King, in light of the resurrection, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, the result of Christ's life death, and resurrection is first that we who believe are saved by faith. We're given eternal life and life with Christ. And then by that power of the resurrection, we're empowered to abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. What an encouragement to us. So brothers and sisters, let's together, let's labor for gospel advancement in faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the mission continues on. We thank you that Christ is building His church. And we thank you that you give us the joyous privilege to be a part of it. So God, we ask in the midst of this time that you would give us this confident boldness in you. That, that, that you, your fame would not be eclipsed by our own self-interests, but that we would see beyond the mess and see the mission, and seek opportunities to be a part. And God, that we would together rejoice, even as we mourn, even as we lament the suffering. God, that we would rejoice that your gospel is going forth. We pray these things by your grace and for your glory. It's in Jesus' resurrected name we pray. Amen.